Hello, I'm Richard Herring. I'm Opal LaCroix. And this is Sight on Screen. When these are being released a little bit, we've, we've been, I've been busy, I've been moving, yeah. so uh, things have been a little bit out of whack, but hey, what can you do? These are, these are tough times. These are tough times, people are having to do what they got to do, and I'm sure you'll forgive us, and hey, Kurt Russell. Yeah, I think we're doing almost like a Kurt Russell special. <laughs> we seem to be on a Kurt Russell binge, don't we? Yeah. And, and a Carpenter binge. Yeah, because we did the Big Trouble in Little Big China. Big Trouble in Little China. And now we're doing... Escape from New York. Yes, one of my personal favorites from that era. Oh, I love it. Love it so much. I love it as a movie, and I also love it because it inspired one of my favorite, if not the favorite, game series. I think if if Metal Gear Solid was inspired by this movie, I think that's being a slightly generous to Metal Gear. It's straight up ripped this thing yeah, off the shreds. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, like I commented while we were watching it, yeah. was that like the opening sequence of Metal Gear, the first Metal Gear Solid, yeah. uh, which was uh, the first 3D one, uh, they it's literally like shot for shot the same thing. The same <laughs> except thing. except that that one is set underwater. Thing. This one is in air. <laughs> it's mostly shot for shot the same thing. They might as well have character mapped this character right off Kurt Russell. Come yeah. on. I mean, his it's name is Snake Plissken, which his name is Snake. Eye patch. <laughs> Eye patch. Oh the my God. hair. Yeah, it's even the character model. I don't know how they got away with that because he looks a lot like Kurt um, Russell. Kurt Russell. Yeah. It really does. So they and must doing the same voice. Doing the same voice. A little bit more emphasis on the voice with the uh, with the Metal yeah. Gear games because you had David Hayter. David Hayter famously mm-hmm. uh, until he got replaced by Sutherland, right? Yeah, that was only in the last game. Uh, I, this is more your territory than mine. Yeah, I'm not yeah. So, <laughs> I, this is not my area. Kiefer pretty much did a straight ripoff of uh, Kurt Russell's Snake Plissken. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> but David Hayter has a little bit of gruff, more gruff in his voice. So it's like, what do you mean? <laughs> Instead Otacon. of yeah, Otacon. <laughs> oh my lord! <laughs> so it's very more. It's much more intense. It's more intense. They, yeah, because this is Kurt Russell in this movie is laconic AF. It is yep. just <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. It looks like the he president. Constantly... I don't give a damn about your president. <laughs> no, no, sorry. I don't give a damn about your war or your president. <laughs> Yeah, no, wonderful, wonderful. Oh, it's so good. But he has a consistent expression as if he's got something terrible spelling under his nose. It's like someone came with a spoon of either vinegar or poop or something right under his nose. His expression was like, ugh. He's locked there. Yeah. (laughs) He looks disgusted throughout the whole movie. It's the noise he's making, too. Every time he touches, Yeah. Which, again, that fits right in with Metal Gear. Yeah, no, I lo- I've, I've loved Metal Gear ever since. So, I was born in 92, right. but I've still played all of the earlier Metal Gear games. Mm. The first one I was I was introduced to was, of course, the PlayStation 1 one, mm. then uh, Metal Gear Solid 2, yep. and then I went back and played the MSX version <laughs> of the first game, and then also the SNES version of the second game, mm. and then the MSX version, which is the real 
version two. Yeah, I mean, because I, I the only <laughs> only one of the games I played is the latest one, which I got right. on a super sale on the PlayStation Store. Yeah, I, I think I paid. I don't even know ten bucks. Yeah, which story wise doesn't really compare to some of the earlier titles. I'll be but entirely, gameplay wise is so much fun. I'll be entirely honest with you. When I stole a horse by attaching it to a parachute, yeah, <laughs> that was kind of the moment I thought to myself, "I'm not entirely sure I'm on board with this game." <laughs> yeah, no, Hideo Kojima. A, a ge- some call him a genius. Some call him a whack. It's I uh, lean whack. I must admit, he's a little bit of both. That's for sure. <laughs> that that game really quickly. I'm just kind of like, wait a second. I'm doing what? Yeah, no, there's a very thin line between genius and quack. If I was just shooting people in a game, fine. When I'm just hitting them with a sleep dart and then they suddenly go whoop in yeah. the sky. Oh, you should have upgraded that because then eventually it goes into a wormhole. Oh my god. No. <laughs> yeah. You can buy the wormhole update. Oh, 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 no. <laughs> Within the game's currency and then... <laughs> And it was that in a cardboard box, and I'm just kind of like, oh, yeah. I'm just going to stop playing for Car- a while. Cardboard box has been a staple of the series has ever since really? the first game. Yeah, oh, You hide in cardboard God. boxes, that's the thing. <laughs> Rooster Teeth has a show that they call Immersion, where they type, where they take like video game concepts and they apply it to the real world, yeah. and they try the cardboard box thing. <laughs> According to them, it worked! <laughs> You can in a, in a sea of cardboard boxes. You can hide in a cardboard, cardboard box. box. That's very true. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, no that that game really did throw me for a loop. I it it's, yeah, it's it's a tough one to get into. If that was the first, yeah, it's kind of like <laughs> I'm trying to play that thing myself. You know, I want to play something more realistic, like God of War. Which is <laughs> 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 well, just. just when that is an actual legitimate thought you're having, clearly something has happened. Oh yeah, no, it it only got like it got much worse with the years. It oh. started out with a pretty down to earth '80s nuclear threat, it, it Cold War there. kind of thing, where you know everyone was afraid of, of nuclear war. Yeah, and you're sent there as basically stake. Yeah, stake. Again, yeah, this is the thing. It's kind of like this game. Really is kind of amazing because it's every time you think you might be on board, it really does pull a hat trick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have a really good intro sequence. You got a little interesting thing going on. You're airlifting a horse as if you're teleporting it. Fine. Yep. Okay. Wait a second. I don't know what this game is. I'm gonna look it up a little bit. Ooh. Okay. Cold War, super spies, all the rest of it. A man is being taken over by an arm that he had grafted onto him that is yeah. possessed by a Russian. <laughs> Yeah, actually, no. The main character's twin brother. Oh, perfect. <laughs> perfect. It goes telenovela. It's really telenovela. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, they go, they go all out with that stuff. It is my twin brother. No, it is your twin brother's arm. <laughs> and then later, you find out no, it was only through hypnosis or oh, some oh, weird oh, chat. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Through hypnosis. He was I'm, never actually in the part of it. I don't. No. Oh, you learned so many, so many weird things in the fourth game. Oh. Yeah, no, I just kind of, that, no. was, that was really, yeah. it's like, am I going to try this? Nope. Am I going to try and understand this? Nope. It, it is certainly a series that if you didn't grow up with it, it is almost impossible to get into. And even for someone like me, who is a so-called veteran of the series, yeah. I 
certainly see how absurd it is, but I kind of revel in the absurdity. It's kind of like, okay, this looks absurd. Can I maybe enjoy the humor of this? Click on the clip section. First clip. Huttacon, do you think love can bloom on the battlefield? (laughs) Yes, that's my favorite line. And you're just, I have lost completely the plot. I don't know what's happening anymore. Oh my god, yeah. Oh, so many memories coming back now. Oof. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, no, I, was thinking, I was thinking to myself, there's no way we weren't going to go down this road yeah, at some no, point, no. so we're getting it out of the way yeah. early. Yeah. Tangent aside. Tangent desperately aside. <laughs> we might come back to it, I don't yeah, know. We probably will. Because Hawk is just the direct, I mean... Hawk. Hawk, yeah, Hawk, who is the colonel in this yeah, movie. Yeah, who's being played by Lee Van Cleef. From uh, fame, from American Ninja fame. No. <laughs> yes, that's no, where I remember it from. No. <laughs> Lee Van Cleef is a guy who showed up in several Ennio Morricone, not Ennio Morricone, um, uh, Sergio Leone films. He's in The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. He is also in For a Few Dollars More, mm-hmm. where he is the second bounty hunter next to Clint Eastwood. Because yep. that's kind of how those series were. Where Clint Eastwood was kind of the newbie. He'd only been on a TV show. He'd been on Rawhide. Before he went off and did these Italian westerns. Yeah, because then he had Charles Bronson doing them before. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and after. Uh, and after. Once Upon a Time in the West. Once Upon a Time in the West, which is the, probably his, uh, essentially the one his best uh, movie. I love that movie <laughs> so much. Oh, the framing. But, oh, Amazing. But Van Cleef is kind of the old hand at this, because he's been doing these... He is that American actor who never really made it in the big leagues. He's not a Bronson. He didn't do The Great Escape. No. He pretty much went straight into the Italian trash to then end up in the American trash. Essentially, yeah. Which, uh, you know, <laughs> itches him, I guess. Yeah, but I mean, this movie's kind of filled with those guys. Also Donald Pleasance. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. this movie brings out all of the, the Carpenter classics. Yeah, but I mean, Pleasance is great for this kind of stuff because Pleasance is also one of these big classical actors who ended up in all these trashy American movies in the <laughs> 80s, 70s and 80s were just his time to shine, baby. Yeah, and one of those that got famed sort of after uh, they... Yeah, no, in his older year. Yeah. More of a cult. Thing. Yeah, more cult following. Because he's, he's in The Great Escape. Yeah. He's the forger. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like he is one of those actors who really was very good, but he never got the superstardom, so he kind of turned to the cult to uh, keep him going. Yeah. Never, like, he never reached the heights of a Steve McQueen, for example. No, I mean, he... he, escape, but he yeah. Donald Pleasance has the career trajectory that Ian McKellen would have had if it wasn't for Lord of the Rings. Right. Lord of the, he, Ian McKellen was exactly the same path. He was in The Shadow with Alec Baldwin. I mean, yeah, that was true. his career. Yeah. And then he ended up in the third property... And suddenly he was legitimate, so he was kind of like, all right. Yeah, it's kind of a weird shift that happened in the early 2000s where, and and also now, where we're seeing sort of these very niche uh, genres, fantasy, comic books, and all that stuff, are becoming very, very mainstream and very legitimate now. The biggest TV show for the last decade has been a fantasy series. Game of Thrones has been the cultural touchstone of a generation. And who would have thought that, like, if you if you had told someone in the 80s that oh, yeah. Game of Thrones, <laughs> a fantasy series akin to Lord of the Rings, yep. is going to be, but what a darker political version of it, yeah, yeah. is going to be uh, the, the best-selling had... and the best, most viewed show ever. Well, If you had told someone back in the 80s that that Tolkien guy... 
those books he made that all the nerds in college hippies love <laughs> is going to become a multi-billion dollar franchise. Yeah, they're making a TV show now. No one would have believed you. Not a chance. Yeah. Because sci-fi had already kind of done a bit of a thing. Sci-fi had a little bit more respectability because Kubrick had been at it. Yeah, so I, I think I think that's that was the shift for sci-fi was mm. 2001 Space Odyssey, then came sort of Star Wars, Star Trek. Yep. Well, Star Trek first, but yeah, and yeah, they yeah. sort of made it a bit more mainstream. But it was still, it was still kind of niche. And again, it wasn't until we start reaching the early two thousands where they kind of become this huge blockbuster. I would have said Star Wars is kind of what did that for sci fi, but then it went down again. Yeah, that was the they thing. Kind of, we we kind of lost it for a little bit there. Yeah, because the Star Trek movies did not help. New, uh, new. No, no. <laughs> Wait, what is this movie about? The whales are going to kill us all? <laughs> okay, Mr. D-Boy. <laughs> yeah. Whatever you say. Oh, man. But yes. <laughs> as I was... Tangents. <laughs> uh, tangents. They just keep on coming. <laughs> it's interesting, though, because this movie is such... It's, it is both relatively unknown and yet a complete cultural staple. Yeah. it's It's one of those that... It's one of those movies that became a cult classic after bombing heavily in the box office. It didn't do that badly. I'm pretty sure it did. It earned about $25 million off a $6 million budget. I heard that it was... It was panned critically to the yeah, end of okay. time. There we go. It made cult money. It was like a midnight screener. They did ah. lots of money on the midnight circuit. Same as uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Which but is it, a fantastic movie. Love that movie. Oh, but it was, that it was panned mm-hmm. to the end of time. Because it had the exact same, it had what I, I, it's almost called the Carpenter problem, where he did such a genre shift on everything he touched, nobody knew how to review it. Because the exact same thing happened with the, with the thing. People were going in expecting a straight up horror movie, mm-hmm. and they what they were actually getting themselves into is a sci-fi alien horror movie. Yeah, and also very much like this, which is more of a slow burn. Yeah. You know, building the suspense slowly and surely, which wasn't really the thing, because, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th kind of movies, they were very popular. And even his take on a slasher was pretty unique with the first Halloween movie. Well, it was the first slasher. It was, like, the first horror movie that was a lot more about the physicality than it was about... The monster. The mind game or the monster. Here we have a... It's a psychopath. It's, It's doing something very different. And they, they make a point of mentioning that, oh, this is a psychopath. I saw it in his eyes. Oh, his yeah. Eyes. A dog's eyes. Yeah. <laughs> Donald Pleasance, again, doing an American accent. Yeah. Donald Pleasance. <laughs> you can almost hear the... It, it's... <laughs> He has the same thing with Malcolm McDowell every time he does yes. it. Yes. And fun, funny you should mention Malcolm McDowell because okay. he was Donald, he played Donald Pleasant's exactly. role in the Rob Zombie he movies. Was, um, uh, Loomis. Loomis and Rob Loomis. Zombie's uh, Halloween yeah. remix. And they both have this very, like, you can hear the Brit fighting for control. <laughs> yes. It's very every, well every time you Every time they speak, it's like, just you're, you're one little inflection away. Yeah, it's always like mm, it's always riding that edge of being British and American at the same time. Oh, if you ever, ever if you ever want to catch an old flick with Donald Pleasance in it, where you really can understand a f- this career trajectory I'm talking about, because he had it spectacularly, and Christopher Lee had it spectacularly. True. These amazing movies they ended up in in the seventies. My, My favorite was in the Dracula movie. <laughs> yeah. Christopher, no, no, 
Christopher Lee did the Dracula movie in the late 60s. That's when he yeah. became the Hammer Dracula. Yeah. When he played Fu Manchu, Destroyer of Worlds. Oh my god, I've forgotten completely about Fu Manchu. Oh. Or my personal favorite for Donald Pleasant, Such a... Puma Man. Excuse me? Puma Man. The movie that did what could only be described as the greatest flying sequence of all time, where they oh. had a man standing with his arms in the air and yeah, they yeah. screamed the city behind him. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's amazing. I've seen the meme. I have not seen the movie. <laughs> I saw it on Mystery Science Theater 3000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. is one of these silliest. And it's Donald Pleasance in, like, a latex outfit, because he's an Aztec-destroying something. I also saw it on Mystery Science Theater 3000, mm. but I never actually saw, like, the full episode. I watched the entire I, thing. Because I came in late, and mm. I only saw sort of the, the super clips and, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. on YouTube. YouTube. Yeah, no, no, I yeah, watched yeah, yeah. all of it. Oh, literally. All of it. There's, like, 300 episodes or something. Yes, there is. <laughs> and all of them are feature-like. Yeah. <laughs> Because they watch a whole movie. <laughs> I went to university and I had time. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> I was too busy playing Metal Gear. <laughs> Those movie games are long, aren't they? Um, actually, what's funny... So, oh, here we go. We're bringing it back. Just oh. just one last time. So the, the first Metal Gear Solid, All right. which is the one I played the most. Mm-hmm. I finished that game probably like close to 100 times. Right. I played through it that many times. And... Skipping all of the cutscenes and all the dialogue from the like uh, telephone dialogue yeah, 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 yeah. or codec, because they call it. Oh yeah, I've seen. If you skip clips. all of it, mm-hmm. it's only a two-hour, fourteen-minute game. How long is it with all the dialogue? It's uh, close to twenty-two hours. Yeah, and that's on the PlayStation One. So that's uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> no. Two discs. <laughs> two-hour game. Two hour fourteen minutes was the fastest I I got through it. <laughs> twenty two. Oh wow! <laughs> so you got you got twenty hours of cutscenes and two hours of gameplay. <laughs> oh boy! Mm-hmm. Wow! Yeah, amazing game. I love it. <laughs> so yes, those games are long. Not for the gameplay. No. <laughs> they're basically just elongated TV shows oh, in gameplay goodness. form. <laughs> Give Hideo Kojima a TV show. I'd love to see what he did with that. Did he do Death Stranding? Yeah, he did Death Stranding. It's coming on PC not too long. Okay. By the time this episode comes out, I've seen a little bit of the gameplay and I didn't understand it. Um, Yeah, uh, I heard the only person whom I know has played it Mm -hmm. from the people that I I know said that he only got into it and only understood the game like forty hours in. Wow, that's that's some resilience. I don't. Yeah, think I could have well, done well, that. he's he's a pretty big Hideo Kojima fan, so he mm-hmm. was kind of giving him the benefit of the doubt and trying to really trying to like it. And he said it, only, it took him forty hours to really click in his head, and then said after that it was a wonder to play through if it. it I'm like forty hours? Are you insane? <laughs> now I'm not entirely sure about this TV show. I'll only watch <laughs> the first three seasons <laughs> to decide if I want to keep watching it. What and, is uh, but wrong but it is an eighty uh, like an eighty hour oh my God. never so it's it's a long long game it's kind of like uh, most games nowadays are like that like Red yeah that's true I've got a war took a long time yeah Red Dead Redemption two took forever I'm still not done with that yeah well I almost just started <laughs> you'll enjoy it I think yeah. you're gonna dig it. Oh man! But okay, I just had to bring that up because you said it was a long game. It's not not really. <laughs> no, that's a lie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the one thing I will give 
Escape from New York. This movie moves at a clip. We have no time for almost anything. So we open up, and there is no... It's weird, because it's made in 1981. Mm -hmm. It is set in 1997. So it is kind of a future world where... New York, oh, Manhattan. Manhattan specifically, yeah. Broke away from the mainland United States in an earthquake. Mm -hmm. So their response was simply, well, the crime rate is terrible in Manhattan. We'll just put big walls around it. Yeah, prior to that, they said that the crime rate has risen 400%. 400%, yeah. So they were just like, let's build a wall. <laughs> yeah. Very Trumpian of them. Of <laughs> let's build a wall and lock it up. This movie's kind of weird that way. There's a lot. Another game that I just realized stripped this off. Batman Arkham City. Did they? Yeah, well, that was, that's the whole premise of the game. Is they yeah. they block off, they wall off a whole section of the city because the crime rate's too high. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the entire premise of the game. That <laughs> it's a Batman game. That yeah, I, I mean, if Rudy Giuliani had an option, so um, <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> we're gonna take all these criminals and prostitutes, and we're gonna put them on Manhattan, and we're gonna wall it up. Um. <laughs> No, it's know, we're, we're apolitical, man. We're apolitical. We're, we're very apolitical on <laughs> the show. Yeah, we're, we, we're central. We stay dead down the line. Ah, uh, yes. So, back to the movie. Back to the movie. <laughs> and then already, I mean, we're pretty much like this is the city. New York is a prison. Great. We're left with that thought for maybe five seconds before the president is crashing. Yeah, because you get the, the alarm, mm -hmm. and then they're like, oh, what is this David 14? Yeah, yeah. What is this code? A flight is crashing, and it's yeah. not actually on the light, on the logs or something yeah, like that. Yeah, and then they, they suddenly get an error message saying that this is Air Force One, mm -hmm. i.e. the president. Mm -hmm. And then you immediately cut to the hijacking, yep. where uh, the person who hijacks the Air Force One says, you know, pay us I don't know how much. No, no, no. The person who hijacked Air Force One is a, yeah, a full-blown terrorist. It's... Uh, we are the Socialist Party. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what it was. We yeah. are going to kill the president for the workers and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's what it's it was. It's very exactly. um, something. And, yeah, they crashed the plane. Or, no, the plane crashes, but the escape pod. Mm -hmm. uh, which so, is strange to have on an airplane. Which is not a real thing, even though they tried to say so in Air Force One that it existed. Because that makes no sense. But anyway, yeah, yeah, like, why would you... That makes no sense. So the president gets in a bright red Kinder Egg and he yeah. drops from the sky. And there was no toy inside. No, there was not. There was only Donald Pleasants. <laughs> Who is not a toy, he is a snack. Well, they do dress him up as a doll. They do at one point. Boy, that was weird. Yeah. Any suddenly, suddenly Donald Pleasants is looking a little bit like Hulk Hogan and I have mixed feelings. Yeah, with luscious blonde hair. Like, okay, dress him up, Annie. So, uh... Oh, wonderful. But yeah, no, he crashes and then um, he is taken hostage yes. by the Duke of New York, played by Isaac Hayes. And at the uh, exact same time, very luckily for Lee Van Cleef, Kurt Russell. Snake. Snake. Call me Snake. Or Snake Pliskin. Snake Pliskin. Wow, what a name. I know. Him and his awesome jacket and terrible trousers are arriving at the island. And boots over the pants. Oh, <laughs> such big boots. Just mm. ultra boots. Mm. Is arriving to be put in prison, and he used to be a special forces, so you have to go get him. Yeah. Yep. And apparently, <laughs> throughout the entire movie, everyone knows this man. <laughs> Everybody knows this man. I, mean, I have to say a small note here. This movie is very special to John Carpenter. Not because of the, when the movie was made, 
It was especially to John Carpenter because of the lawsuit that got him over a million dollars much later on. What was the lawsuit? Luc Besson, the yeah. guy who made Fifth Element, mm-hmm. made a movie called Lockup, which is Guy Pierce has to rescue the president's daughter in space. I have seen that movie. Yeah. That is a wonderful movie. It's it is, so schlocky. It is such a ripoff of this movie that there was an actual court case where John Carpenter sued him for stealing his script and won. Interesting. He was supposed to be paid a quarter of a million euros. Luc Besson appealed, and they decided to pay him a million euros. <laughs> or something along those oh lines. Oh my god. <laughs> it's such... It, it, and when you see them, you can... It is... I have seen it's so close. Close. It's It's a great schlock. It's such it. a schlock. And, and, and Guy Pierce. I mean, I have I have a fondness for Guy Pierce. Yeah. Memento really sold me on Pierce. Yeah, he is a really underrated actor, and he, he always get these really terrible bad roles. Terrible, terrible roles. Yeah. Anywho, so I really liked him in that because he got to be like. Uh, well, first of all, he got to be the the hero, which he doesn't get. To no, he often. doesn't get to do that often. And he got to really play up his comedy, which. He's good. It's actually pretty, he's pretty funny. funny. Yeah. No, good. So, so John Carpenter got paid for that, and he yeah. was very happy about that. It's the same thing. That's an interesting thing. Yeah. Yeah, because they did know. they did the new Halloween movie, mm-hmm. and they interviewed John Carpenter and said, uh, "Are you excited about the new movie coming out?" I said, "I'm really excited about getting paid." <laughs> yeah. I just want to stay at home, smoke weed, play video games, and play my music. <laughs> As you do. <laughs> I would love to be in this position. Yeah, that guy's just living the dream, baby. <laughs> Those royalties are still coming in. Yeah. Oh, uh, no. So, yeah, this movie is... But, I mean, there's a, like... People talk about Die Hard on a Plane, Die Hard on a This, Die Hard on a That. There's a lot of movies that are Escape from New York in a something-something. Yeah, which is weird. That's, that's why I think it's it was so weird that mm. that he actually won the lawsuit, because, like you said, there's, there's like literally hundreds of these movies yeah that is more the fact that they were so close I mean there's like almost dialogue ripped off yeah okay I mean I can see that yeah I've, uh, granted I've only seen Lock Up once unlike this movie which I've seen several times likewise yeah, uh, yeah but I can sort of see that sure mm-hmm. so yeah it's a funny little tidbit interesting um, I but yeah but back to <laughs> back to uh, the movie Tangent aside. Tangent aside. Hey. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it moves really fast in the beginning. Oh yeah, we and get so, going real quick. Yeah, and you know they do the implants and Kurt Russell. Well, I mean, this is the thing <laughs> I love about this movie is that it is really moving at a clip, but it likes its little moments. Yeah, yeah. So no. you're kind of like we're going, we're going, we're going, and then Lee Van Cleef, Kurt Russell in an office, and suddenly the entire movie goes. Let's take a breather. <sighs> Let's take a moment here, everybody. This is cool. Everyone that, enjoying how cool this is? Look at this. Yeah, and there's and that's no no more evident than in the scene a little later on when he finds uh, the little the bracelet, oh, which yeah. is not on the president. No. He goes to the pod, and then he just sits on a chair. Yeah. And takes a breather, which you don't really see that in movies. Like no, but, that, In reality, yes, if you have 24 hours to find someone, you're not going to be on the run for those entirety no. of the 24 hours, you're going to take a breather at one point. Yeah. It's also right at the beginning where we enjoyed the commercial break. Yes. Kurt Russell gets off, a pl- gets off a helicopter and it fades to black and then this movie starts again. And yeah. Like, you what gonna- happened? Was that where the title screen was going to be? Did you? F- did we change something in post? I think so. Yeah, it's like, hmm. But a fade to black is also a post. <laughs> so, a post-production idea. So it's kind of like the title people got confused. And they're just like, oh, where do we put it? 
they forgot to edit it out. Yeah, no, the same thing happened with the with the jacket. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, because that, that was that was, uh, that was our great. observation. Yeah, because the the scene starts. It's a single cut. Mm-hmm. The scene starts with him with his jacket off. He then puts it on. Yeah, they go to the to the doctor's they office. Walk into a room, and then he immediately has to take it <laughs> off again. <laughs> They make and, such and, a... and the previous scene, he had his jacket on, oh. so the fact that it was off to begin with was a little weird. Yeah. And I and that's when I suggested that this was probably the second take or something, and he just forgot to put the jacket back on. And so know. they walked out like, oh shit, I gotta put my jacket on. <laughs> I don't even know what happened there, but th- I mean, this movie was made on not a lot of money. Yeah, six which million. Is, even, looks, even for 81, that's good. really, really... It looks great, though. Oh yeah, no, it, it it does the same thing with uh, that Blade Runner does, which mm. is, you know, like using lighting and matte paintings and, and models oh, yeah. to your advantage. A lot of that kind of thing over here. Well, you don't need to go like all out with special effects. You can you can do a lot of it with a lower budget if you just have the right lighting. Yeah, so it's also the fact that like framing. Carpenter has a good visual style for this kind of material. Yeah. There's a lot of these walking through the empty streets at night shots that are just gorgeous yeah and he knows how to when to have a cinematic camera he mm. knows when to have a steady cam he yep. knows when to have a still shot and he, he knows when to kick in that synth score oh yeah oh, oh man that mo- that synth score is all over this very similar to halloween yep. oh, <laughs> but yeah. i prefer this over the halloween score i agree because it's got more dimension to it yeah. the, the halloween score i mean the halloween score he made for so little money he literally did the score without watching the movie he had to just he had a sheet of paper that had the timings on it because mm, he couldn't he couldn't afford a recording studio that had a screen available. <laughs> okay, that's weird. So he literally had to just kind of remember what that scene was and then have the timing on how long he should be playing and when the big beats were. Hmm. That's... And then they overlaid it afterwards and kind of hoped for the best. That's kind of impressive in that case. I mean, he yeah. I mean, Carpenter. I mean, he directed it, so he knew what the beats were. He that's had still... it in his head, but still, yeah. No, that's uh, that's really impressive. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's a great score. There's even bits of it which is weird because it's kind of like the score is full Carpenter. Suddenly, we're in kind of Blade Runner territory. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it mixed a little bit. And then we're suddenly when, into when was Blade Runner released? I know that the final cut sort of thing that was in two thousand and seven. Eighty two is a Blade Runner. Eighty two. Eighty two or eighty three, so, I think. Yeah. So maybe actually, then by that time. They probably yeah, ripped, Blade Runner probably ripped it off. Yeah, but Vangelis had been around beforehand, and he was the one who did the entire score. So there was definitely yeah, some okay. influence going on there. Yeah, no, that's what I mean. It's like, uh, I didn't mean rip off as <laughs> I know it's been ripped off. I know it's yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I came out wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. But I mean, it's, it's interesting, because that score really does have some dimension here. Especially because it has, uh, not themes, but sounds, kind of, mm-hmm. that are attached to certain characters. Yeah. No, definitely. Every uh, time the Duke shows up, do, 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 do. yeah, yeah, it had that like almost beat it yeah, kind of vibe, yeah. <laughs> which, is, <laughs> uh, which is really interesting. And uh, when Kurt Russell's alone, mm. you have that like really slow synth uh, score, yeah. and then when there's some action, it's more upbeat. Upbeat, yep. And then you also have uh, Cerebro, <laughs> oh, the brain, the brain, <laughs> which is Harry Dean Stanton. Which yeah. I mean. The, Harry Dennis has done so many great movies. He did Paris, Texas. He's Repo in Repo Man, the older the one, older. Not, the, not the not the new one with Jude Law. But everyone remembers him from Alien. He is yes. one of the two mechanics. He's the one who keeps going. Yup, yup. 
And the first one to, to die, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was yeah. the first one to die. Yeah, with uh, with the alien, the xenomorph, right behind him. Yeah, and you don't see the xenomorph, you just see the tail out yeah. of focus, and he's looking well, for the Well, actually, cat. the xenomorph is in, in the scene, it's just that it's so well hidden, yeah. because it's like, it's it's so still. And it just moves a little bit, and mm-hmm. then it cuts, and exactly. it's such a great scene of him walking around, because I actually analyzed that scene back when I was studying film. That is that is how you do horror, right? Because that scene is perfect. But that there's a beautiful moment which is he's walking under like a cooling unit, mm-hmm. and he washes himself in the water, and it's the yeah. only time during the scene his eyes are closed, and you're just sitting there going, it's, it's mm. like, oh no, <laughs> and he's so great. He's a great actor though. Harry Dean Stanton, Paris, Texas is. I don't think I've seen that. Great movie. Do yourself a favor. Will do. No, he's a he's an actor who carries both a lot of emotional weight and he looks like worn leather. Yeah. <laughs> what have I seen on where he's like a he's just a drunk well, recently? He wasn't something recently. recently. <laughs> oh, uh, probably like uh, always. Is that the one with Schwarzenegger? Is he in the the stand, last stand or something like that? Uh, he uh, might have been. He, he looks like he is. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's in that movie. Yeah, he's like it a, might be. He's a drunk. <laughs> he's done a lot of movies like that though. Yeah. But yeah, no, certainly, certainly a great actor, underrated. A lot, a lot of the people in the like this is a pretty solid cast. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of good, and there's a lot of repeats from old Carpenter movies, which we noticed. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, from uh, Donald Pleasants, obviously, from Halloween. Yeah, uh, you had uh, I forget her name. Uh, Maggie. Maggie. Yeah. Yeah. Who is the? the I can't remember the actress's name, but uh, LeBeau, I think. Yeah. LeBeau. She. Yeah, she is. I think she was John Carpenter's wife at that point, or something like that. Maybe, but she was in the fog. She was in the fog. She was the main actress there. Which she was, was the movie right before. So Halloween fog, yeah. then this. Yeah, and it's also the sheriff from. Yes. Oh, the sheriff from Halloween is in this in a smaller role, and the main villain from Assault on Precinct Thirteen, which is Carpenter's first kind of proper movie. Uh, Dark Star not being included because that was actually a college project. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's the main villain in that, even though he doesn't actually talk during the entire movie he's more of a silent figure yeah no I, I haven't seen the original I've only seen the Ethan Hawke uh, sort of Lawrence Fishburne one Lawrence Fishburne god he sucks yeah <laughs> the, new, the original is way better like really yeah I've good. had I've had it on my uh, my radar for yeah. a while original I wanted to see it uh, because usually when you get a remake it's because the original is good yeah no I mean the original <laughs> usually I gotta tell you though, the original you gotta give John Carpenter credit. He's like, okay, you know what? I've made this comedy film in college. It's my first major movie. I'm making a bit of a crime movie. How shall I open it? A little girl being shot in the chest. Yeah, you don't get that. Okay, a lot. movie. You 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 very rarely get children in harm's way in movies. Oh yeah, no, they and video oh, games for that the, the entire the story is instigated by. Uh, do you know the plot of the movie at all? I don't know the plot of the remake. <laughs> okay, the plot of the original movie is... Let's see how similar they are. <laughs> ...that uh, while at the same time that a prison convoy is waiting at a, at a sheriff station that's closing down and running on a skeleton crew, mm-hmm. a group of street thugs who have got their hands on a bunch of weapons are chasing a man who they killed his daughter on the off chance and they're just trying to finish the job, kind of. And he holds up in this police station. That's sort of the same thing. Is it? Okay. I think so. I think the only difference is that... Uh... Yeah, no, I think that's pretty okay. much the same thing. Yeah, yeah no, I remember watching... And the, that, that Ethan Hawke one just fell right out of my head. I couldn't be bothered. 
It's not great. Nope. I just, I really, it was so generic yeah. and just plain looking. I'm like, mm-hmm. and like, not not to speak ill of either Fishburne or Hawk. They're both. I uh, can talk fairly ill of Hawk if I have to, but not fishy. No, they're both, I think they're both really good. Actually. Hawk has his good and his bad. The Purge, first one. Mm. Uh, well, yeah, he's, he's been in a lot of shitty movies. He's been movies. in a lot of shitty movies. Fishburne yeah, like, has a better Boyhood, track record. Horrible. <laughs> Uh, but he was really good, and like, yeah, for example, uh, what's it called? Uh, uh, that that. Uh, are you gonna say before sunset? Yes, uh, of course you are. Some sunrise is the first one. Yeah, yeah. before sunrise. And I also I liked remember. him in Waking Life. He had a very short role in that one, but it was really mm. good. I like him in. Uh, he was in, yeah, obviously Training Day. Training Day. He's really good in Training Day. Yeah, uh, he's also really good in a pretty recent movie. Uh, both of them. Uh, he was one with uh, with uh, Emma Watson. He was really good at. Okay. And then I don't remember the names, but he, uh, that was really good. And then there was another one called First Reform that came out. I think last year or the year before. Heard of the he's uh, where he's supposed to be a priest. The really really good. Oh. Okay. Uh, I don't want to spoil anything because I think you should actually watch it. It's really good. Oh, okay. I mean, Hawk can act. It's just he has a bad habit of picking bad projects. Yes, he picks a lot of really bad projects. Yeah, no. I mean, he he, he Ethan Hawk can do a lot of things. Action, not really one of them. No, I but but he does have range. So that's, he does have range. Yeah. No, I'll give him that. Fishburne can do action. Yes. Uh, I mean, all you have to do is watch Matrix. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. That's kind of like all right. You 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 John Wick. Hey, you, John you, Wick too. You got yeah. some stuff going on. Uh, and also, uh, if you want to see some older movies where he does gangster movies. Oh, uh, yeah. He, he's in a... He, Har- uh, what was it called? Uh, I know which one you mean. It's the one where he plays... Um, I don't... It's not... Uh, well, what is that guy's name? Bugs? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bugsy's... Uh, or, yeah, something like that. Yeah, I know what you mean. It, yeah. It's weird because he played the character, which is... The old man in American Gangster that is t- that Denzel yes. Washington is working for in the yes. beginning. Another great movie. Oh, I love the Denzel Washington parts of that movie. Yes. I get bored by yeah, the yeah, Russell yeah, Crowe yeah, parts yeah, of that uh, movie. Completely agree. <laughs> I, I've watched that movie. I've watched that entire movie one time. I have watched the Denzel cut of that movie several times. Yeah. <laughs> I've watched the whole movie twice on that. <laughs> but yes, I completely agree. The Denzel parts are it's by far... Oh, look, it's Russell Crowe. Skip, skip, skip. <laughs> There's Denzel. <laughs> Again, um, Russell Crowe, good actor. <laughs> oh, Russell Crowe can act, but man, oh um, man. <laughs> he's got... Oh, he also has his moments. Russell Crowe <laughs> needs something to chew on. I like Russell Crowe when he's kind of going and really going for it. Russell yeah. Crowe on half... Half tank really just doesn't. Yeah, do like uh, like in uh, Insider. Yep, Insider is really great. Gladiator, Gladiator. He carries that entire Beautiful movie. Mind. Beautiful Mind. He's great. Fantastic. Hell, I like him in Virtuosity because he's doing something crazy. Virtuosity is amazing. Yeah, Virtuosity <laughs> also is... Denzel, right? Yeah, Denzel. Yeah. <laughs> Big man himself. Oh, that yeah. movie's so much fun. That movie is amazing. Uh, I liked him in Man of Steel. <laughs> I liked oh. that segment with him. <laughs> Only you. I know. <laughs> I was watching that movie and run, having a running bet who was going to bore me more, him or Kevin Costner. I'm guessing Costner won. Costner won, because Costner won literally <laughs> just, goodbye, man. Yeah. Yeah. Tornado, tornado took him. <laughs> uh, I got paid. And I have to pay lip service to uh, Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead. Yeah, of course you Everyone go out and watch it. <laughs> Big graves, everybody. Whenever whenever that comes out. With Dave Batista. Oh, with Dave Batista. Oh, man. Oh. Yeah. 
<laughs> Every time you and Zack Snyder, you fanboy. <laughs> I'm really not. That's you, so funny. I'm really a not. Fanboy. <laughs> Have we do ever fan, got... do fanboys actually like criticize? I don't Have know. We got through a movie, one of these without you mentioning Zack Snyder. I don't. I think don't we think have. I mentioned Zack Snyder last time. I think you did. Well, probably. I think you mentioned Man <laughs> <Matt> of Steel. <laughs> Every time, Zack Snyder, everyone. <laughs> oh, I think I no, I, I think I did mention last time that, that they that they officially confirmed the yes. Justice League <laughs> Snyder Cut. You, <laughs> you prick! Ah, yes. oh, Zack Snyder, bastard, <laughs> a national treasure, <laughs> international treasure, if you will. He's an international something, <laughs> something. All right, but a tangent aside, <laughs> Snyder tangent aside, it's <laughs> a specific tangent. We love this movie, everybody. We really do. Yeah, it's, it's, just, it's, a, it's an amazing movie that oh, you have to watch. It's really difficult when we haven't seen each other properly for a bit, because all we want to do is just talk. Yeah, it's like nonsense. Wanna, we just want to talk nonsense at each other for a while, and you yeah. have to unfortunately listen to it. So <laughs> You don't have to. You don't have to. You, you have we a appreciate that. We do appreciate Oh, yeah, we're very thankful. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, back to the movie. So, yeah, movie. Yeah. yes, like you were saying, the movie does have a really fast pace, but then doesn't mind taking a breather every now and then. Yeah. Uh, really interesting scene right following the chair, where he sits on the chair, which yeah. is where he meets the girl, gives her a cigarette, she starts flirting with him, and immediately dies. <laughs> yeah, immediately dies because the crazies are coming out. Or and something then we go, from the sewers. <laughs> yeah, we go full zombie movie. Yeah, yeah. Even the music goes full zombie movie. It's yeah, it's, it's pretty much like a uh, direct uh, take from... Because we mentioned Beat It from Michael oh, Jackson. Yeah, it's very thriller. Very thriller. Very thriller. <laughs> Coming out of the sewers. And yeah. <laughs> For me, it reminds me a heck of a lot of an Italian horror movie called Demons uh, by uh, Lucio Baba. And it, that's one of those like classic Italian kind of late 80s horror themed things where it's like it's... It's very stylish. Hmm. And this has a lot of that with the street lights going on. And it is, it's at night, but it's very well illuminated in most parts. We only have a few moments of darkness. Is it like uh, the dead don't die where they, li- they, they literally comment on how, <laughs> how long is this day going to last? Yes. Something's not gone down yet. Yeah. That's a song by uh, <laughs> Sturgill Simpson. Sturgill Simpson. <laughs> No, no, sorry, we're not doing the book. Hello, I'm Adam Driver. I'm, uh, that's a song by, um, uh, Sturgill Simpson. It's a great song. It's a great song. Because <laughs> they now We also mentioned that movie. Yes, we did. <laughs> yeah. That movie we share, though. We can both talk about yeah, that movie. That's great. We haven't reviewed a Zack Snyder movie. I don't know why you keep bringing him up. <laughs> Mainly because you keep threatening that we have to review <laughs> yeah, his movies. I do. And I'm living in fear. <laughs> it will happen. I promise oh God, you it's it really gonna will. happen. Mercy. No. You're gonna watch the ultimate cut of oh. Batman Mr. Superman. That's gonna happen at some point. And Just strap in for yeah, a three hour. Days, it's gonna be Abdul here talking about the ultimate cut and me hanging from the wind, from the rafters. Oof. Just no. Yeah, no, it's gonna be great. Please I'm looking forward no. to it. <laughs> That and then we might do the four-hour uh, Watchmen cut. Uh, 
Well, back to the movie. Back, back to, the movie. to the movie. Back to the movie. <laughs> no, I don't actually want to watch that again. No. To be honest, you really watch that. Of course, I watched oh, that. Of course, you did. You sadist. So that was actually the only cut I watched. Mas- you're a masochist. That's the only cut are. I did watch. Oh, I haven't God. seen the theatrical what is cut. What's wrong with you? I like Watchmen. Uh, I like the comic. Not the movie, yeah. I like the, the comic. The graphic novel, I really that's, like Watchmen. That's my exposure to it all. But, um... No, I mean, the, the one tip that I told you when we were watching this, mm-hmm. that I just... I, it is one of my favorite little factoids from this. Yes, yes, we have to talk about so this, because it's way, genius. Yeah, the way that they're going to get him into this walled-off city is this little airplane thing. Mm-hmm. And when he's doing it... It's a glider. They have a glider. And you have a digital display showing the city. Yeah, it's like a wireframe display. Yeah. Here's the thing. If they were going to actually do that using a computer, that's a moving 3D model. NASA couldn't do that in 1881. I mean, it was just impossible almost digitally. If you were going to do it, it would have cost more than the entire film's budget. Yeah, probably. That one so, shot. <laughs> that one shot that lit on a little screen. So what they did is they had a model of New York that they were using for the kind of exterior shots of the plane, fly- of the glider flying. Also, just generally of exterior shots. Yeah, they had some exterior shots. They had a model of New York they'd been mm-hmm. using. I think they borrowed it from um, a metropolitan, metropolitan Museum or something of that nature, which is quite standard practice back in the yep. day. And what they did is they took glow-in-the-dark tape and marked out all of the digital lines... On the city. Yeah, all the edges of the building. All the edges of the building and all these like grid lines that you would get from a digital display in glow-in-the-dark tape, turn off the lights and film the city to make it look like it was a digital readout. And it looks phenomenal. It looks fantastic. I don't know how they did it. It's, it still boggles me. The, 1981, that was future technology, and they were showing it to you. It's kind of the same thing where you want to watch the behind-the-scenes for the first, uh, especially the first Star Wars movie, oh, uh, yeah. New Hope. It's like it's amazing what they were able to do with those models and, and yeah, no, the technology of it at the time. Like, they really took the ingenuity. The early day of green screening. Yeah. And it's just crazy. Where they're just having to cut out the sections and yeah. such. It's amazing that those people didn't get more credit. Yeah. Because... <laughs> oh, my favorite one for that? How they did the lightsabers. Do you know this? Yeah. Didn't they draw them? They literally no, drew them by exactly. hand, right? No, what they did is that they went frame for frame and cut out the tube that was representing the lightsaber mm-hmm. and put a light behind it of the color that would then color off on the film because that's what film does. It absorbs color. Oh, that's really smart. Yeah, so they just put it like a flashlight with a red so color. So it wasn't even like uh, early CGI where you just drew it by hand. It was actually all done. Just a light. Just they did it by hand later on because they found that was actually easy. Yeah, I would have thought so. Yeah. <laughs> but that explains why, you know, sometimes the lightsabers are incredibly thin, sometimes they're really big. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Because it's just... It's the same cutout, essentially. Yeah. Because they only had the one knife. And I love the fact that when you're watching it, you can still see it turn into an aluminium tube sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> no, I mean, this movie... I mean, the, the special effects here are old school, but awesome. They're very yeah, well implemented. And, yeah, like there's the small practical explosions here and there. Oh, yeah. The cars, that one scene with the car wall that they mm-hmm. built and... Well, you drive through it. I mean, and the, it, let's be honest, the matte painting stuff is like Simpson oh King God. level. It's yeah, just it's so beautiful. Good. This New York landscape. Yeah, no, which, absolutely. Or cityscape, gorgeous. I mean, which is just great. And the moving water and all mm-hmm. the, and the helicopter with the light. With the, the light water, that they had to animate as so well. Cool. It's really good. 
and it just looks awesome. Mm. I mean, that's kind of the big thing to take away. From yeah, this. visually, this movie rocks. Uh, an amazing movie. Yep. Uh, Story-wise, simple, it's but very simple, but I think effective. It moves. It really moves. It keeps going, 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 and you always know where the objective is. Yeah. He has to get the present, and you're like, okay, yeah. I know what that is. This is one of those concepts where it works really well in movie form. Yes. Uh, most of the time, you feel like movies either have too much to say. Or not enough to say mm. where it could have been a short film. This this shows like proper pacing and writing yeah. of the time, which is like this is perfect for the time length of the movie. Yep. The story tells that the, they tell is exactly yeah. that length. And the thing they do really well here is that they don't feel a lot of need to show you in between shots. No, because why would you? Yeah. So I mean, we have the premise is really simple. Yeah. You don't need to show any in between shots. So Pliskin or Snake, Snake, call me Snake. Well, he says at the end, my name's Pliskin. Yeah, it's just he 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 just likes being a pain in the ass. Yeah. This guy, that's kind of his whole personality, pretty much. Which kind of kind of meshes with a uh, little big trouble in little China. Yeah. <laughs> Jack Burns. This is the opposite side. Yeah. Very competent, none of the humor. None of the humor. Not, he isn't likable. No, he's not at all likable in this. And this was like the big. This was the Kurt Russell turn. He had been Golden Boy Hollywood Disney, and this was the movie that broke him out of it. Yeah, he grew, he grew out his hair. He got a gruff beard. Oh, luscious, luscious hair. Luscious Beautiful. hair. <laughs> it's weird. He's got this surfer hair, and he's kind of got the surfer bod, and he's wearing this tight little tank top and camo and pants. camo trousers and these high boots, and you're like, that is not a good look on anybody. No. You look like those are tearaway pants, man. Are you about to start giving us a show? But he still looks cool. He does. <laughs> he oozes cool. Does that jacket look like it's been run over by a thousand cars? Yes. Do I want one? Yes. <laughs> we were both sitting there going like, I kind of like that jacket. Yeah. <laughs> it looks really good. Admittedly, I say that of most jackets I see in film. I am kind of... If there's one thing I hoard, Especially it's jackets. leather jacket. I love a good leather jacket. Yeah. I am a kind of a sucker for it. Hmm. No, 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 but it's... I love Since we mentioned video games. Oh, so God, here we go. A good leather jacket. A good leather Max jacket. Payne. Max Payne. He does end up with one of those in the second movie, let's be honest. Movie? Oh, Escape from LA. Escape from yeah, LA. Yeah. He's wearing a bit of a yeah. Max Payne jacket in that. We don't speak of that movie. That movie, uh, no. Yeah. We will not be doing an episode on that. No, no, we will not. I hope. There's, there's Escape from New York, and then there's Escape from the Tax Man. Because yes. somebody needed to get paid. <laughs> I'm hoping Carpenter got paid for that. I think Carpenter and Russell walked away from that smiling like bandits and not, didn't go to the. I didn't think they. I don't think they went to the premiere. No. <laughs> Why would you? It's like, what do you mean premiere? We got premiere. I and got the check right here. You mentioned the surfer hair and surfer body. There is a surf scene. In there is a surf scene. In Escape from LA. There really is. Oh, oh no! <laughs> Flashbacks. <laughs> oh, I've watched that movie. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, nah. <laughs> Do we really could recommend Escape from LA? No, 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 no. I'm just checking, just no. making sure. Yeah, as you can tell, we're not really going through this movie scene by scene. It's not. No. It's uh, not necessary because it's not that kind of movie. It's a movie that you know the story of. Yeah. He is a badass ex-super soldier who has to go and get the president in a terrible place. But we have to mention how. Everybody knows this man. No, no, it it, it, it is the running joke <laughs> of the of whole movie. The whole movie. Every single person he meets. 
Aren't you Snake Plissken? Aren't you Snake Plissken? <laughs> I thought you were dead. <laughs> Every Everyone. time. And then even later, well, Mr. Mr. Brain, go, go, who thinks he actually died in an earlier scene, goes, I thought you were dead. He's like, listen, pal. <laughs> I'm tired of hearing that. <laughs> it's so funny. Because that's what the thing, I mean, that's the thing I love about this, is that it has humor in its absurdity, but it's yeah. never self-aware humor. It's never winking at the camera. Yeah, it doesn't take you out of the movie. No. It's very in-universe kind yep. of humor, so, yeah. Why is the Duke wearing a Union jacket with cowboy boots? Why does he have chandeliers on his car? I don't know. Why Multiple! Does he, why does he have... What was it we called it? The love child of uh, Luis Miguel and yeah. uh, the Joker? Yeah. <laughs> or something like that? Because it's... Uh, no, yeah, and, of uh, uh, Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe. And this, Goku hair. And Goku hair. Is this <laughs> this weird kind of, I don't even know, jester character? Yeah, essentially. His number two. It, like, you have all these, like, really kind of rap music and, like, lots of guns and everything. And then you've got this weird, like, he looks like a, he looks like a really villain from strong. Zelda. Yeah, like a really scrawny Goku-looking yeah. white like, guy. He looks like a character from Majora's Mask. It's like, what are you doing here, woodland he creature? Does. Yeah, he does. He does look like he a woodland like creature. He looks like a goddamn elf, you know? It's like... Link's long, yeah. long lost uh, evil twin. twin. <laughs> Again, the evil twin. I'm yeah, telling you, yeah. they're everywhere. Liquid! Because <laughs> he's technically solid. Wait, what? No. There's liquid stick. No! Yeah. That is the naming that convention. That is the naming convention. I'm telling you, this series is amazing. <laughs> Why? Um. Oh, their father, Big Boss. Big Boss. Yeah. Nice. Well, well, his mentor was called Boss. Okay. He killed his mentor. Now he's Big Boss. I'm just, I'm, and I'm just. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Okay. And his and his code name, Naked Snake. <laughs> Naked Snake. Yeah. I got questions because I I gotta confirm this for myself. I remember reading a little bit about this game. Are there clones involved? Yeah. Excellent. Solid Snake and Liquid Snake are clones of Big Boss. Oh, I see. They're <laughs> yeah. not his kids. They're not his, his kids. Clones. They're his clones. Perfect. <laughs> and his one-night fling that he had on a mission at one point as Naked Snake is the one that bore the children without his knowledge. Well, I guess he really was a Naked Snake. He was a Naked Snake. There is even a scene by a fireplace. <laughs> Why? Uh, I'm telling you, you gotta watch this game series. At least watch it. What is what is happening? Why? It's wonderful. I love what it. What is this? I revel in its absurdity. Oh my god! I mean, that's kind of what this movie is too, though. Let's be honest. You you do revel in its absurdity. Yeah, but it's it's uh, like its absurdity never reaches the heights of something like a Hideo Kojima no, game. Mainly because it it never breaks its own rules. Yes. Because, like, it sets the tone so well, because one of the first... The first villain of New York we meet is this woodland creature dude. Mm -hmm. And then the first good guy character of New York we meet is Cabby, who is yeah. Ernest Borgnine, of all people. Borgnine. My Bor man, Borgnine. <laughs> Ernest Borgnine is one of those actors who I... He just never stopped. He was acting in the 40s. Yeah. 40s and 50s and gangsters. He kind of had like a Peter Falk vibe where he kept he kept acting. He just <laughs> he never stopped. He was in Red that came out in like 2009. Borgnine was in Red? Yes. Really? He's the, he's the keeper of the records or something. Oh, I don't remember the movie. He's like 91 in that movie. Damn. And he's still funny. No. <laughs> he's that wonderful thing where like where Bruce Willis is trying to keep up with Borgnine and he's kind of like, 
Yeah, there was a, someone down here. And Borgnan goes, oh yeah, cute hair. <laughs> Is he talking about Kurt Russell? <laughs> oh, yeah, you, that man has some cute hair in <laughs> this movie. Does have cute that, hair. that hair does not match this character. No, it's so... You're expecting him to have the hair he has in Soldier, but no. No, he has, like, voluptuous hair. <laughs> Just d- the volume and the shine. Mm. So good. <laughs> Oh, man. So, yeah. No, no. And and it kind of, because we mentioned it while watching it, uh, it kind of ha- has a similar, uh, like, effect as Warriors. Yes, very much that kind yeah. of. Where it's it's absurd, but it's it's still in, like, it never breaks, like you were saying, it never breaks its own rules. It's all within the context of the movie. And it is. And it takes itself very seriously. <laughs> it does take itself seriously. And the thing it does really well is that it is very, very quintessentially New York. Yeah, all the major, all the highlights are there. They there's the Met. They go to um, where is it? Uh, they are at Madison Square Garden. They're on Broadway. They're down Forty Second Street. They they're very conscious of the New Yorkness of this movie, mm. and they don't let that slide because that would have been the mistake yeah. if you just made this into a generic dystopia. Yeah, no, no. The fact that it's New York makes it even more tangible. And they keep it so grounded in the New York. You have Cabby, who's been driving that cab for 30 years, and in all his time, he's never seen anybody go out at night in that area of New York. Yeah. It's really, really New York. And that really helps to kind of ground it. Yeah, no, that's that's what makes it uh, sort of believable and... Equally it, ridiculous. Equally ridiculous. Yeah, because it, do, it doesn't take you out of the movie. It makes you, it actually immerses you more into the world. But yeah, and I think way. that's kind of the thing. It's kind of like it is. It's less of a parody on a film genre and more of a parody of a city. Yeah. This is hyper New York. This is bizarro hyper New York. Dystopian New York. Yeah. Yeah. This is all the things you know about New York already to the nth degree. To the nth degree. <laughs> If you took away all the law and order and all the normal people and you just let New York be New York in it, all of its terribleness. Oh, God. It's a good thing they never entered Central Park. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> you, you don't know who lives there. Yeah, I would shudder at the thought. Enter Central Park at night in this world. You Oof. just, nobody lives. They had rat people in the sewers. <laughs> they had Turkish monsters in the yes. in, at the Madison Square Garden. Yeah, where uh, they're trying to kill each other with baseball bats, and you're just kind of I lost track of this movie. And let's not forget the snake tattoo. Wow. Yeah. So snake gets knocked out about halfway through, which is great because there's a twenty four hour twenty four hour time limit, half of which disappears in a nap. Yeah, pretty much. Because yeah. they, they, they were at 12 hours, and then, and then all of a sudden, was one. Two, yeah, like two. Uh, two or one. fifty. Yeah, something like that. When he wakes up again, like, holy shit. And he's got <laughs> this amazing nap. cobra tattoo on his abdomen. And it's so colorful, too. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and it's wow. like, where does that end? Because we don't see the tip of that snake's tail. It goes down to his trousers. We don't know where that tail ends. <laughs> it's just, it is such a... And it looks terrible. Let's be it honest. Does. It, it does. Looks it looks like, horrible. It looks like a... One of those things you put on and then you put the hot water on top of? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah and you're true. like, oh, yeah, yeah. that's just not a very good look, Mr. Russell. <laughs> but like I told you, bringing it back to Metal Gear, yep. which is in the third game, uh, where course. where you play as Naked Snake, a.k.a. Big Boss, later on, mm-hmm. when he kills his mentor, right. the boss, the boss. She, she tells him the story of how she gave birth on the, on the battlefield and had to be a cesarean. And the scar on her stomach is in the shape of a snake, very similar to his tattoo. I guess love did bloom on the battlefield. Love did bloom on the battlefield. 
Between. Her, her husband is now, I think, like, death or something. Yeah, it's okay. supernatural weird shit. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you die, you meet her husband. <laughs> or boyfriend, I don't know, something like that. I, I'm, oh, what? I'm, I'm lost. <laughs> it's all explained in the third game, not really, but it's all explained in the third Wait, game. Wait, there's supernatural elements in this? There's supernatural elements throughout the whole series. <laughs> what? Yeah, there is, there is a... In the in Metal Gear Solid, the 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 first 3D one on the on PlayStation, you had a guy named Psycho Mantis, who is uh, telekinetic and uh, mind and a mind reader. Okay. And Why? ingenious that the that boss battle is amazing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because he can read ad- your moves. <laughs> admittedly, when I tried that first game, the thing I do remember is Fire Pony. So I, the little dude with the where the. It's like a villain from Doctor Who. It's a kid in a straight jacket with a gas mask going, Yeah, like, yeah, my it's mommy? him. It's him as a grown-up. Wait, what? That's Yeah, yeah. In, in Metal Gear Solid, no, the PlayStation huh? game, what? you you fight against him as a grown-up. I'm yes. sorry, what? Yes. I'm, I am utterly confused. Wait, yeah, are you telling wonderful. me the last Metal Gear movie is a, is a game okay. is a prequel? Yeah. What? It's it's a prequel to even the, the first, like, 80s MSX... Uh, SNES uh, games. It's before that. <laughs> My brain hurts. I, oh yeah, no, no, no. I, this this series is amazing. <laughs> I'm so glad Kurt Russell just has to go see there's, the president. There's, there's actually a really cool, uh, like, one hour long YouTube video that explains the entire history of Metal Gear. <laughs> and oh boy, do they. Uh, <laughs> there's some weird stuff in that. <laughs> I once watched. Some guy a- falls in love with an AI. <laughs> it's a whole thing. <laughs> I once watched a twenty-minute attempt to break down the story for for um, uh, what's it called, Kingdom Hearts. Oh no! And that's that another one. <laughs> melted my brain. I cannot watch an hour of Metal Gear. Oh my god, Kingdom Hearts! That's another one of those that where the first game sort of set up this like really interesting premise and universe, mm-hmm. and then they just went to town <laughs> on it. I don't know what they did, but they took that story and they just did things to it. <laughs> Really bad things. Things we cannot speak of. Things we cannot speak of, yeah. <laughs> my impression of the Metal Gear thing is kind of like, all right, everybody, we've got a bit of a thing here. It's um, We're going along quite nicely. What's what's that up ahead? That's the end of the cliff, sir. Oh, I see. <laughs> well, keep driving. Full steam ahead, Kojima. Faster, boy. But the beauty is that the last game ties everything up in a very neat bow. <laughs> Bullshit. No, I'm not joking. No. Metal Gear Solid 4 and 5 tie absolutely everything up in a bizarre, but very neat. Please tell me it's all a dream or something like no, that. No, no, no. It's nothing like that. <laughs> everything is real. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, it's not like everything I, is nanomachines. One is in Parasites. Somewhere. I've never watched the show, but apparently there's this show that was kind of like an early version of ER set in a hospital that ends with it, the entire show having been a kid's dream. Uh, was it Dookie House? No, no, no. no. It was, I can't remember what it was, but it was this. It, it was this. Someone wrote a huge paper on it because this movie, this show, had crossovers with other shows. And then you looked at the shows that had a crossover with. So apparently this one child had X-Files, The Simpsons, everything that's been referenced on The Simpsons. It was all just in his head, apparently. Interesting. Yeah. What is the show? I can't remember. Saint Something Hospital. But it was, like, weird. It was, like, is that a thing? Because they did that on Dallas, very famously, the, the soap opera. 
Yeah, the dream where, sequence thing. Yeah, mm. where where they basically have several seasons without a character because yep. he died, and all of a sudden he's back, and it was all a dream. <laughs> So, it's not yeah. the first time. We were losing our ratings, everybody. Yeah, we needed to bring him back. Oh. And then he went on to do Step by Step. Of course he did. What? Anyway. <laughs> For those who know, you know. Yeah, I don't. So, step by step, day by day. So, set go. <laughs> I'm using that word very loosely. It's not really that comic. We, like, we, just... I I have a question for you. Yeah. We, we, we sat down here to talk about Kurt Russell with an eye patch. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Wielding we, an Uzi with a giant silencer. Yes, we haven't even mentioned the Uzi. This How Uzi on earth amazing. did you get us to step by step? I don't know. Of all things. <laughs> I'm really good at tangents. I don't know if you've seen this little building that I'm building here with the tangents. It's amazing. Brother, you're not building a, ta- you're not building a building anymore. Building you're building a, a highway. You have left town. <laughs> I'm building a whole cityscape. <laughs> Oh, mercy. <laughs> but yeah, we've got to mention the Uzi before we end the episode. Oh, <laughs> the Uzi's incredible. The gun's great. Yeah, yeah mainly because it's, it's got great. this humongous silencer. <laughs> or suppressor, technically. Yeah, I mean, this thing is bigger than the thing that they were using in No Country for Old Men. This yeah, is yeah, yeah. No, this is thing. huge. And then it has a scope on top. Yeah. Which is weird for an Uzi because it's not very accurate. <laughs> and what's best is that he just wildly sprays the gun a few times yeah. and then uh, Isaac Hayes gets the gun and he's using it for the rest of the movie. Yeah, pretty much. And then he actually uses it f- for its purpose or ascent. Quote unquote. Quote unquote purpose, at least in the movie, where he actually shoots with accuracy. <laughs> yes. At the president who has to learn the words. You're the Duke of New York. You're A number one. The You're big man. A number one. You're yeah. A number one. Which doesn't make any sense. Nope. But you uh, just accept because it's the Duke of New York. Grammar. and He's got tassels on his shoulders and get chandeliers on his head. If car. Twitter has taught us anything, is that grammar is not common. <laughs> People make a lot of mistakes. <laughs> I love the fact they even receive a note at one point with their threats, and it's badly written, and they yeah. make that point. Yeah. <laughs> you give us president. It's not like it's, yeah, it's like it's really awful. like. <laughs> But that's my that's my point. Where it's like so everything great. is in universe, which makes oh, yeah. it immersive, although absurd. But it, it doesn't pull you out of the movie at all. No, which is great. It kind of keeps its own flow, and you know where you are in the story. Yeah, which I, again, which is this thing where it's kind of. Like, but even then, it takes weird little twists and turns. Like we talked about brain, Harry Dinstan. Mm-hmm. To find brain, uh, Kurt Russell first finds. The president's tracker, which is attached to a homeless man, yeah. who's being just punched repeatedly in a basement. Yes, can we talk about that for a second? <laughs> that whole scene that there whole is just scene. so bizarre. Like, first there is this uh, really doped out lady that's being tossed around, and it's, I'm it looks like they're right. playing. Yeah, I don't know. It looks like they're playing tag or something. Yeah, because they eventually rip her clothes, and then Kurt Russell just looks away. And like, oh, oh. <laughs> just like, oh, it's not my problem. I'm not involved in this. <laughs> and he finds this guy just like this. This. You just see this edge of the hand and this guy going, what? Yeah. What? And you're just like, okay. And he's repeatedly beating him and Russell walks really slowly towards yeah. him. Pulls the guy off and the guy and says, Mr. President. And this old, like, hillbilly looks yes. like, and says, I, I, yeah, I'm president. I'm the president. I, I told knew, him. I knew when I got this thing here, I'm the president. <laughs> And you're just kind of like, and the best part though is he goes on the walkie and he's like, this isn't the president. They're like, are you sure? And he pulls it up and he's going like, 
God save the chief. Yeah, or something. God save the chief or some bullshit like that. I'm just singing lyrics completely wrong to the national anthem. The national anthem. And he's kind of like, President's not here. Yeah. Like, oh, oh like, all right. shit, Sherlock. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. And then he gets he meets the caddy who is Ernest Bornine, who mm-hmm. then takes him to meet Brain, who is Mr. Fantastic, Mr. Fabulous. And it turns out in the middle of the National Library, they have put in an oil drilling platform somehow. Uh, yeah, an oil pump. Oil uh, pump is uh, yeah, the, the donkey. donkey. Yeah, that's what they is pulling up time. oil from underneath New York. And then the cabbie says, "Hey, can I get some gas, gas? <laughs> while I'm here?" And there's Harry Dean Stanton in a, a he he's dressed like Van Gogh. He's got a yeah, like, yeah. The, He's got the artist coat and the and a yeah, cravat and the uh, ascot. Ascot. It's yeah. like. What is happening? happening? This is so bizarre. Yeah, I mean, this... You know what? It is a bit Fallout. Yeah. The humor is quite Fallout. The things that they... The way they incorporate the absurdity to make it... Like, they have a Met show, which is... We love New York, which is Ben wearing the old costumes. (laughs) No more Yankees! Oh yeah, no that 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 entire sequence is just like what? What is happening? But yeah, Fallout probably New Vegas. Yeah, a lot of a lot of the same humor points. Yeah, like, they they were tapping from the same well. Yeah, we're mentioning video games a lot this episode. Yeah, we are mainly because this is almost a video game. It, it is. If this had been, if someone had given this script in t- ten to fifteen years later, they wouldn't have made it into a movie. They would have made it into a game. Yeah. Oh, it'll be a lot more action-filled, though. But yes, because yeah. this movie isn't heavy on the action. It was advertised as an action. Movie. Yes, which is which is, I think is probably one of the reasons why it was so critically panned because yep. it was advertised as an action movie, which mm. I hate when advertisers do that. Yep, it's uh, let's get those butts in the seats on the opening that's, weekend. Because that's, that's all that matters, really. Yep. It's uh, unfortunately that's all that matters, cynically speaking. Yep. Uh, so that's what they do. But uh, but yeah, so it was advertised as an action movie. It's way more of a suspense thriller yep. kind of movie, with even some horror elements, like we mentioned the, in the that one scene with the sewer people. Yeah, no, I mean, I, and this does happen. I mean, you. What was the one that really got me with this? Um, you were never really there, or you were never really here. Yeah. That was advertised as a much more action, not action, but more of a crime thriller and not yeah. this dramatic kind of pathos movie. Yeah, yeah, because I, I also watched that thinking it was going to be like a crime thriller. Kind yeah, of, like uh, much more like Gone Girl or something like yeah, that. And it's, well, yeah. But you know what I mean? It's like, all, even Gone Girl was pretty much represented, but that was kind of on purpose. But, uh, yeah, no, that movie is. Uh, yeah, that movie would, does it within the movie itself. Yeah. You were never really of... here. Was more advertised like it was going to be something like a classic detective thriller or something yeah. like that, and it really just doesn't go that way. Not even. And this way. movie isn't. It has some. That's some instances of violence and some instances of gore. Not too much. Yeah, no. There's but a separate it isn't thing very. Going. It isn't the action. Isn't the fun. Yeah, no. That's, that's kind of the thing that's... They're, they're not doing the whole Stallone thing. Yeah, like had Stallone done this, it would have been... Phoenix! Juke! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Juke! Jumping, wielding jumping. guns, jumping <laughs> off a train car. <laughs> uh, jumping out of a car. Carrying helicopter. Donald Pleasance on his back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like a John Woo movie. Oh, oh my God. Donald Pleasance on the back going... Ah! <laughs> Yeah, it could, it could have been that very easily, but it was not. I'll be honest, I want that movie, but... Yeah. 
That's Escape from L.A. That is, that is Escape from That is pretty much. You're actually right. Yeah, that's that Escape from L.A. That is Escape from L.A. Wasn't very good. No, it <laughs> really wasn't. No, not in the 90s. But, um, <laughs> no, I mean, this movie really does work for what it is, which is... But I, I think the thing, is, like I said when we were watching it, the issue here is that, especially by the time period, it isn't balancing its genre with its audience very well. Yeah. It is a movie where the look, the feel, the content, all of that stuff is geared towards the young-ish. You're a culty kind of guy. You like the Stallone movies. You're, it's aimed at that generation of people. But it's paced and put together like the big sleep. It's almost mm-hmm. noirish. Yeah, I mean, it is. And it's very much that pacing and that kind of vibe it's carrying. And that's the genre, by the way. Yeah. Neo-noir. Neo-noir. Is. Very neo-noir. Yeah. But that doesn't, like, it, when you look, when you have Kurt Russell in this action outfit with the gun and all the rest of it, <laughs> yeah, and sorry. then it turns into a noir thriller, mm-hmm. you are leaving people behind. Yeah. It's hard to walk into this movie without knowing what you're getting into and guessing it right in terms of who this movie's for. For sure, yeah, no. Uh, and, I mean, even... Watching it again today, mm. after watching it, after ha- having watched the last, which was almost like 10 years ago. That's same for me. Uh, yeah, it is. It's like like we were saying, it does have uh, a lot of uh, good pacing. Yep. But, Great pacing. But, it, but yes, it is missing a, a little bit of more action. Yeah. You do notice it. Like, uh, you know, some scenes could have been done, had it had a slightly bigger budget, maybe. Yeah, but I, I think it's also the, it's more what the movie chose to do, which is that the problem solving here is more to do with trickery, betrayal, and information gathering. There isn't a lot of problem solving through violence. Yeah, and and so that's that's what I mean, where there's sort of a disconnect with the character. Like you were mentioning, there's a disconnect there, because you see, what you're seeing doesn't sort of translate very well with what's happening. (laughs) Yeah, Because the entire, it it, it is this thing where it's like you've set up a boxing ring, than to watch out two men come out and play chess. Essentially is what it what Yeah, I mean, yeah. And, and there are action beats in this. Don't get me wrong. I mean, there's some actually really good action like beats Like, while this. they're playing chess, someone does get slapped. Yeah. But... <laughs> but... It is not what you kind of signed up for. No. And I can understand why the advertisers got it wrong. Because a lot of times back in the day, the advertisers didn't watch the movie. No. They got stills and a synopsis. It would have been really easy to misread this movie. Yeah, because the synopsis, I mean, the the, if you just read the it, catalyst for yeah. the plot is very action. Oh, yeah. The it, president. It's, it's literally, it's it's what it's what a Die Hard movie could be. It's essentially a yeah, Die Hard movie. this is proto-Die Hard. Yeah. Die I mean, Hard came a decade later, almost. A little bit under a decade later, and this is proto-Die Hard. Yeah. I mean, this this would be the premise to a Die Hard movie. But uh, instead, what we get is sort of a noir. Yeah, yeah but I mean, even Die Hard, and this is, I think that's probably the problem, is that it's a little bit ahead of its time. True. This is the movie that would have worked way better in the late 80s. Yeah. Because we were kind of at the point where Wade Stallone had had a sci-fi movie, Die Hard was just coming out, where it was more a return to the old 70s hard-bitten cop and not these super soldier things. Yeah. You know, This movie kind of came out a bit too early to reach mm-hmm. its audience. It audience 
wasn't there yet. They were going to come into their prime in the late eighties. Yeah, it was. It was just just between uh, just between being too early and too late. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> because what you really wanted is to come out in the late eighties, so the people who like war games or were now 70s. old enough to like action movies. Yeah, and just that that slight mistiming really did hurt it. I think, but it, that's why it's such a cult classic now for yeah. the people who care. And I think overall, I mean, we both recommend this. Movie. Oh, completely. I give this. Uh, Pretty much a nine or something like that. Yeah, it's not a quintessential. It's not Terminator. It's no. not quite there. Yeah, but it is really good. It's a really good movie. If yeah, you know what you're getting into, yes, that's the thing. Don't yeah. get fooled by trailers. Don't get fooled by trailers. You know, listen to us, neo noir. Don't let you. Don't let your eyes deceive you on this one. Yeah, and just you know, enjoy the absurdity. Oh yeah, because because I mean, the movie certainly does. This movie's gonna take you for a ride, and yeah. if you're willing to go along with it, you're gonna have a great time. Yeah. So ah, uh, <sighs> it's good to be back, man. Yeah. Miss doing this. So many tensions. Oh, we so barely spoke about the movie. Sure, we we did our job. We, we talked. We talked. That's, we talked. That's, that's, that's all anyone can ask from us. All right. Oh. So where can they reach us if they uh, if they wish? So, to so if you would like to listen to us or uh, yeah yeah you can catch our us. content yes. We are on Stitcher, uh, we are on iTunes, Spotify, Spotify, YouTube, and SoundCloud. And SoundCloud. And uh, if you would like to contact us directly, site on screen at uh, gmail.com. Yep. And you can also uh, help support us uh, via Patreon at patreon.com forward slash site on screen. That's right. But more importantly, what we wish for you to do is just spread the word. If you enjoy our content, share it with your friends, share it with the... Uh, colleagues. Yeah. Let uh, him know that's a really serious podcast that's really good at staying on topic and really yeah. getting on with the discussion at hand. Another name for for this could have been Off Topic. Off Topic <laughs> would have been actually yeah. fantastic. It's better yeah. a clothes brand name, actually, but yeah. we'll call that our band. But <laughs> <laughs> All right, sure. <laughs> no, we, we love doing this, so yeah. please give us Keep giving us a reason to do it. Listen. Get someone yeah. else to listen. And if you have any feedback, like we said, you can get yeah. us on, on, on email us. And uh, thank you for listening. And we'll yeah. catch you all next time. Yep. Bye-bye. Stay.